So, let's go to the Word. Lord, we want to hear from you. Please, speak clearly to us what you want to speak to us about yourself and about ourselves and how we can know you better. Amen. All right. So, amazing. I have a question for you. It's amazing is kind of our topic today. Mike, isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Um, so, what amazes you? I know you're in church, they're so going, Jesus. Come on, just think a little bit. What amazes you? Cloud formations, okay. Fireworks, all right. Sunsets, okay. Yep. Books, okay. Take a minute and think about that, and, and if you're online, I want you to think about it too, and turn to somebody next to you and say, oh, it's pretty hard to turn to people next to you with uh, we're seated well apart here, aren't it? isn't it? Okay, I'm going to ask another question. Would you like to be amazing? And how? Think about that for a minute. Would you like to be amazing? And how? Okay, so anybody got a comment on that? How would you like? Yes. We already are amazing. We're a unique creation of God, and he does amazing things. Okay. All right. Good. You're amazing, Julie. That's great. Somebody else? You've always wanted to be an amazing musician, even though you don't play anything. Yes. Um, I always wanted to, too. It was just the practice that got to me. <laughs> um, okay. So I want you to think about that. And, I, I, uh, and this is going to come back around. It came back around to me as we look at this, our text. So uncontrollable power and proclamation of what? Of Jesus, that he's king of a new kingdom. That was the proclamation that Philip was bringing. We, we talked about how there were in Acts, where there's miracles, preaching, salvation, and then there's opposition. And then there's perseverance, stronger faith, and joy and triumph. And we're seeing that in the text that we've been looking at um, in Acts 8. So three threats. We talked about the first two last week. There was persecution. The, the church was under intense pressure, and they were persecuted. And that when they scattered, the Holy Spirit responded to that persecution by each of them sharing the good news about Jesus and the, the pressure that Satan brought turned against them because the, the fire just spread. So sometimes it's true that the wind can blow out a candle, but sometimes the wind can really make a fire um, spread. And so the wind of the Holy Spirit in this case made the fire spread. There's prejudice. We talked about how the... The Jews, between the Hebrew-speaking and the Greek-speaking, Aramaic and Greek-speaking Jews, there was prejudice, and they, were, they dealt with that. And then those Greek-speaking ministers and deacons carried the gospel because they were the ones who were spread more and uh, brought it to the Samaritans where there was a lot of problems with. And now this week, we're going to talk about purchasing power in this same text and the threat 
that purchasing power presents to us and the desire to be amazing. So, Acts 3, if you have your Bibles in front of you, otherwise I'm reading out of the message. Since I did New Living Translation last time, I thought I'd try something different for today. Um, and Saul just went wild, devastating the church, entering house after house, dragging men and women off to jail. Forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. I want you to notice, and we're going to see this later, that sometimes we assume missionaries are people who choose to go someplace. When they don't choose to go someplace, we call them uh, refugees and immigrants and uh, lots of other names that are not as pleasant as missionaries. And, um, but these were refugees from persecution who God used to spread the word. And he's doing that all over the world and always has. Sometimes people are forced, sometimes they volunteer, but whenever they, wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. The two things there, they preached, they proclaimed, even though it was dangerous, the, and what they proclaimed was Jesus and Jesus' kingdom. Okay? Going down to Samaritan city, Philip proclaimed the message of the Messiah. When the people heard that he had to say and saw the miracles, the clear signs of God's action, they hung on his every word. Many who could neither stand nor walk were healed that day. The evil spirits protested loudly as they were sent on their way. And what joy in the city. Isn't that amazing? God's amazing. And I want you to notice that God's amazing. It's not that Philip is amazing. But I want you to notice that whenever we hear about something like this happening... We tend to be like, wow, that's amazing. Let's go to Samaria. Let's, let's go to Tulsa. Let's go to Toronto. Let's go to Florida. Let's go to Lagos. Let's go to Seoul. Let's go to someplace that's more amazing than here. Wouldn't it have been great to live in the time of Acts when all that amazing stuff was happening? We love what's amazing. And so did people then. Because previous to Philip's arrival, a certain Simon had practiced magic in the city, posing as a famous man and dazzling all the Samaritans with his wizardry. He had them all, from little children to old men, eating out of his hand. They all thought he had supernatural powers and called him the great wizard, the great one, the, the, maybe a god even. He had been around a long time and everyone was more or less in awe of him. Wouldn't it be cool to be Simon? All right, we're looking at the Bible so we don't... That sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? To have people amazed at you, eating out of your hand. You've got this power that people can... But when Philip came to town announcing the news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simon and were baptized, becoming believers right and left. Even Simon himself believed and was baptized. From that moment, he was like Philip's shadow, so fascinated with all the God's signs and miracles that he wouldn't leave Philip's side. Other translations, it says, he amazed them with his, mag his magic. And then it says, he became, he was amazed at what Philip did. And he became his follower. His fan. He clicked like. He clicked follow. He watched all of his tweets. He did, saw all of his, uh, his uh, videos and his shows. And he, he was a follower of Philip. Or Jesus? Or which was it? Um, and why? And when we follow and are excited, why? Why is it that we do? 
First of all, I have to ask a question. Who is Simon? What is Simon? Well, in Greek, he's a magus, or the plural is magi. It's the word where we get the word magician. And it's important to say this because I want you to notice that he is a magus, that is a, a magician, or maybe the equivalent would be a traditional diviner, but not a witch. Now, a lot of our translations use the word sorcerer or something like that. Now, this goes back to the Latin. It goes back to the King James. You know, did you all know that the King James was written when they were hunting down witches in England? So any place they could put the word witch in, they did. And then, of course, that influenced all of the translations, likewise in French, all the translations that went in other countries, in Africa and, and Asia, etc. So that idea that Simon is actually a witch is a, is a thing. So there are three uses of this word, magi, in the New Testament, all right? One is the Babylonian sorcerers worship Jesus. Have you ever seen it translated sorcerers? I don't know why our translations say Simon's a sorcerer, but they don't say the sorcerers came to worship Jesus. The same word. Um, and Elymas, the Jewish magician, who's in, in uh, Acts 13. Um, each of these is a public role claimed by the person. I am amazing. Watch what I can do. Now, the, the, the diviners in, in Babylon, they were figuring out the stars, kind of like horoscopes, trying to figure out what was happening so they could know how to predict the future, how to see what things were happening. Um, none of these is a secret killer named by others. Now, why am I saying that? Um, because in Tanzania, people want to make sense of... Uh, when thing, bad things are happening to them, like sickness or suffering, that doesn't happen here. Nobody here wants to know why, right? There's sickness. So there's three basic reasons around the world. You can say it did it. It was a cancer cell, a virus, smoking. It did it, all right? Or you can say you did it. Job, you sinned, you did it. You know, you, you forgot to wear your mask. You didn't get vaccinated. You did it. You, you didn't uh, take eat right. You sinned, you somehow, you did it, all right? And then there's the option of he or she did it. Now, in Tanzania, and actually around the world, this is the most popular. Somebody else did it. In Tanzania, the witch did it. Probably that person who is envious. Who would be the most likely to be envious? Probably that poor widow who we really didn't take care of. Maybe it was my mother-in-law, who I didn't really take care of the way I should have. She was probably envious. She's probably the one who made me sick or made my child die. So I'm going to blame her for this sickness. Now, what am I going to do about that? Well, if it, if I, when I, so I go to the traditional healer. The traditional healer helps me with my angst about all this is happening, and maybe all the ancestors and everybody just hates me. It's like, no, it's just your mother-in-law that hates you. Otherwise, you're fine. Oh, okay. And you, you get to calm down, and then I'll give you treatment. But if, if it doesn't work, then you might end up finding your mother-in-law or chasing her out of town or maybe beating her or maybe even killing her. That is what happens. Some places, not only in parts of Africa, like northwestern Tanzania, but also other places around the world. Um, I thought that was kind of unique when I tell people here, they go, oh, wow, they still believe in witchcraft back there? Until the pandemic came, and people started talking about the pandemic and how the Chinese or Bill Gates or Trump or the people who 
don't vaccinate or the people who believe in vaccination or somebody made this happen. Because we want to have some kind of certainty, we want to have some kind of control, and if we could get an explanation that would fit into one of our movie scripts somehow, we could get control of it. So this isn't just a distant thing someplace else. But what I want to say is the Bible doesn't teach it. And every place where we find a word that says sorcerer, it's usually not that evil person that other people say is causing it. It's the person who you go to who says it's her. It's the traditional healer. It's the, it's the amazing person. It's the magician who's attracting attention to himself, not being accused by others. Now, maybe you followed that. Maybe you didn't follow that. Some of you are from Africa and other places. You're like, oh, yeah, I know all. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and you want to come up to me afterwards and talk about the other verses that you think probably explain that there really are witches. Um, and, of course, when you combine these things together, then you can get not only special effects from Hollywood, but you can also get the belief in, in this, and you can combine it and get Nollywood. And you can have uh, lots of special effects that show that witches really happen. So here's the thing. We all want explanations. We all want things that will help the amazing to be controllable and the uncertain to be certain. Now, what happens if the healer puts a tie on and carries a Bible? That's what happened here, right? Simon was a magician. He was a traditional healer. He had amazed everybody. And now he's like, wow, Philip's got way even better. Teach me your tricks. He's a follower of Philip because Philip's got even better stuff. He, he's amazed because he knows this is way beyond what he has. Now, whether Simon was using sleight of hand, which traditional healers do, they've showed me their sleight of hand, whether it's demonic. Now, let me... Let me back up to say somebody is behind the pandemic and the pandemic, but it's not a person. It's Satan. It's the demonic. And the demonic is real. I'm not saying there are no demons. It's just that that woman is not in charge of the demons. Bill Gates is not in charge of the demons. Donald Trump is not in charge of the demons. The Chinese aren't even in charge of the demons. And none of those people are demons. They're just people. But God is bigger. God has power that is amazing, way beyond anything that anybody else or any spirit can produce. So what has happened in Africa is that the healers have gotten converted and put on ties. And now they do amazing things with the blood of Jesus and other amazing things. Um, so the problem is that the, the mindset remains. So let's see what happens with Simon. Um, when the apostles of Jerusalem received the report that Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John down to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, they had only been baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen on them. Then the apostles laid their hands on them, and they did receive the Holy Spirit. And there was some kind of evidence that they received the Holy Spirit. And whether this was an initial salvation experience, or this was 
the filling of the Holy Spirit, which resulted in, in it, probably, my guess is the filling of the Holy Spirit, which resulted in some kind of proclamation or tongues or some kind of things that, that were visible, obvious, um, because Simon saw that the apostles, by merely laying on hands, conferred the Spirit. When he saw it, he pulled out his money and excited, say, sell me your secret. Show me how you did that. How much do you want? Name your price. Peter said, to hell with your money. And you along with it. Why, that's unthinkable. Trying to buy God's gift. You'll never be part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering bribes. Change your ways and now ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. I can see this is an old habit with you. You reek with money lust. Oh, said Simon, pray for me. Pray to the master that nothing like that will ever happen to me. Simon respects power. Simon knows that Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead at Peter's feet. And when Peter says this, he's like, whoa, no. He knows. Now, did you notice something there? Ananias and Sapphira fell dead at Peter's feet. Elemas went blind. The, Moses brought curses. But God's people sometimes do announce God's judgment, and God judges. Because God has power to heal, to give life, to take away life, to take away sight. So people sometimes say, well, if Peter can do it, then the traditional healer can do it. The witch can do it. No. There's no example in Scripture where an evil person, through secret means, kills somebody, makes somebody sick. Now, they do it with swords. They do it with other things. But there's not a scriptural example of that happening. Simon doesn't have the power to do that. The magicians in Egypt didn't have the power to do that. The other diviners around Daniel didn't have the power to do that. But God does. And sometimes he lets his people announce it. The judgment that he's bringing. And in this case, this is a judgment that is being announced on Simon, and he gets it. He understands power. <laughs> and he's seen God's power, and he does not want it against him. So, Peter is referring to this passage, which, sorry, is a little bit small, in Deuteronomy 29, where it talks about idolatry. So, Peter is saying, you are an idolater. You are after something other than God. Power, money, other things, anything that will give you those things. So Moses said this to the people of Israel about how they had seen all these nations around them. You've seen their detestable practices and their idols made of wood, stone, silver, and gold. I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe, will turn away from Yahweh, our God, to worship these gods of other nations, so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. That's what Peter quotes. I see a bitter root in you. Those who hear the warning, warnings of this curse should not congratulate themselves thinking, I'm safe, even though I'm following the desires of my own stubborn heart. Do any of us ever think we're safe 
even though we're following the desires of our own stubborn hearts, after our own stuff, thinking we can just chase whatever we want, and because we're Americans, or because we're Christians, or because of something, God loves us and we're fine. Idolatry is not just fine. I'm safe even though I'm following the desires of my own stubborn heart. This would lead to utter ruin. Yahweh will never pardon such people. Instead, his anger and jealousy will burn against them. All the curses written in this book will come down on them. And Yahweh will erase their names from under heaven. Yahweh will separate them from all the tribes of Israel to pour out on them all the curses of the covenant recorded in the book of instruction. So, Peter is saying, watch out. Those curses... You have no part in us. You are going to be separated from us. You get what Peter is threatening? This is not a new thing. He's going back to, to be part of the people of God. You've got to be worshiping Yahweh. You can't be going after other things to get what you hope for. So... Um, Does this have anything to do with you or me? Or is it just in Tanzania or Nigeria or India or Papua New Guinea or back in Bible times? As I thought about this and tried to think about what is, what is the application to me, to us, I realize that I like to be amazed. I like to follow people who are amazing. And I've actually been looking my whole life to follow people who are amazing. And maybe if I follow them, I'll become amazing. I'll be honest, when I was growing up, the people who were amazing in my community were pastors. And more amazing were missionaries. And then I went to college and they were professors were amazing, and scholars, and authors. And I've gotten to be all of those. And I'm honestly just kind of okay. I'm not amazing. And I wanted to be a lover, and a husband, and a father. Be amazing, and be have my wife and kids amazed by me. Eh, I'm okay. I would love, but all of us are, are hoping. Now, you all are like, no, no, we wanted you to be an amazing pastor. We don't believe you're not amazing. Please be amazing for us. We all want somebody to be amazing. Aren't you totally sanctified, pastor? Aren't you above? Our, can't you please help me with my kind of mundane shopping list sort of head in life? But there's probably somebody amazing someplace. Somebody who's got a huge church. Maybe it's in Lagos or Seoul or, or Florida where everybody is coming, where there's miracles happening. Oh, you find out the missionaries are kind of disappointing. So then you, you, then you run into a national pastor, and he's amazing because he's so humble and he's so, until you live in Tanzania, and you find out, yeah, they're amazing, and they're human, and they got good things, bad things. They're just kind of people. And they have resurrections. And they have their kids die. 
and they have miracles, and they have things that aren't so great that happen. And there, <laughs> the truth is, we all want to find something amazing. So I, and I, I've, I've looked for mentors and, and people who could be, you know, I name names. Bill Gothard was amazing, and the basic institute. And I, and I wrote all my, my notes in my binder for days on end and went a couple of times and, and made my vows. And, and, and then it didn't all work out. And then in the end, it turned out he liked girls too. Who knew? And Bill Hybels was amazing. Wow. And then it turned out his marriage was not all that great and some of his relationships weren't amazing. And you see, we, we keep doing... If you really want to be amazing, the best way to do it is die. I mean, when I, once a prophet dies, then we build memorials. You know, when Martin Luther King's alive, he's a socialist, he's an anarchist, but when he's dead, now he, no, now he's a hero. Right? Uh, Keith Green, is, uh, he's, he's kept it because he died at 30, so he didn't have to. John F. Kennedy, you know, the best way to do it is die. But if you hang around, then we find out, you know, you've got some clay feet. The other best way to do it is to follow somebody way off there. Not anybody in this church. Because you'll get to know us too well. And you'll find out we're not that amazing. And, and we aren't as good as the, the videos that get cut and airbrushed and all that cool stuff. And if you follow these musicians, they don't get to cut their videos either. Sometimes they just hit the wrong chord and they have to change their music. And it's not amazing. Like if you get 50 takes to lead you in worship, right? And the thing is, we take all the things in our culture that are amazing, and we put a fish on it and add 20%, right? We like entrepreneurs here, but now if you're an entrepreneurial pastor and you start a brand new church and you make it successful and amazing, wow, we're going to buy your books, we're going to go there, we're going to make it a mega church. Nothing against mega church, it's great when, they, when they're successful. But then they usually disappoint us somehow. And we put them on this pedestal, and there's a good saying in Tanzania that hupanda hushuka, the one who climbs up usually falls down. And then they end up with cynicism. Because we're like, I got raised by Bill Gothard in my homeschooling, and he turned out he liked girls just as much as I did. I'm never going back to church. Turned out there was all this whatever hoopaloo in that church, and it's just a bunch of show. And so then what we do is we become ex-evangelicals. We become anti-whatever. We become atheists, and we, and we follow the atheist heroes. And we follow the cool, really anti, like 20-something anti-cool entrepreneur celebrity who's amazing because he's so cool. Unlike those boomers. You know what I'm saying? We keep the worldview. We keep looking for something amazing. And it's all idolatry. Because we're trying to hang on to being amazing and following something amazing. And if I'm with somebody who's amazing, if I could go to a revival where they were really, really prophesying and really seeing miracles, and if I could be baptized a third time and I could do the whatever it is, 
and amazing moves around. Right? And then you see, you know, somebody, I think the guy's name was White. He came and did this amazing thing in, in Mwanza, and somebody wrote me and said, you know, you didn't even write your newsletter about how he transformed Mwanza. I was like, yeah. Talked to my pastor friends, and they were like, yeah, he did some miracles, but what are miracles? That's no, no big deal. And he never preached the word. We were hoping to get some notes. And uh, it isn't always amazing if you're there and you're not just getting the spin. And even when it's here, it can be amazing. I came here when this church was growing and, and excited and Lloyd Jacobson was pastoring and it was going, I was going to, oh, I could be like Lloyd Jacobson. This, and then the church stopped growing and started going in reverse. And then I had to decide if I was going to still be part of this church when it wasn't growing, it was shrinking. And uh, then Jim Olson came and, he, you know, we had a new thing and then things were, and then things were going. And, and then the reality is, This church is amazing in a lot of ways. But it's also kind of normal. With normal people who struggle and see God. Now, I can tell you about people who I've watched in this church for 40 years. Who are amazing. Because I've watched them walk out. Walking with God. And then their kids have had issues, and then they've had that problem and this problem, and they've walked through it, and they've persevered. To be honest, when I hear about the latest celebrity and the coolest thing and the newest music and the whatever, I, I'm like, okay, great. And maybe I'm a little cynical. When I hear about somebody who fell, I pray for them, and I wait for the book they're going to write 20 years later, when I hope that they came through it. And not that they found a new way to spin it. Josh Harris found a way to be exciting because he didn't kiss his girlfriend. And then he found a way to be exciting because he was divorcing his wife. And then he found a way to be exciting because he was divorcing the church. Or maybe or he just likes being in the spotlight. And when one thing gets old, he switches to something else. There's a lot of people who found the Christian gig... You can be a celebrity cheaper with less practice. I want to be amazing. You want to be amazing. But only Jesus is amazing. And he's amazing because he takes normal people, idolatrous people, and he focuses our eyes on him. And he helps us see him. And he helps us just as we scatter and are running away from our problems to preach about Jesus. And he does amazing things. The church still faces some threats because we desire to follow someone amazing. And that desire can turn into idolatry. We desire to be amazing, spectacular, you remember, Jesus had the same temptation. Throw yourself down. The angels will pick you up. Wouldn't that be amazing? Right here in Jerusalem, everybody would see it. But Jesus turned down that temptation. Instead, he followed God's path all the way back to Jerusalem.
and to being stripped and beaten, naked, dying as a criminal. But what happened was amazing. So if you're following Jesus, you don't really get to be spectacular or amazing. But we get to find out that he is amazing. We have a threat of desiring to control power. Simon wanted to control power. To be able to channel it. When I lay my hands on people, things will happen. Anybody ever wanted to be like, when I lay my hands on thing, people, things will happen? When I say that word from God, it will transform people's hearts. When I teach, people will be changed. When I play music, people will be entered into the presence of God. There's a good and a bad. You, you catch the... We want people to be entered into the presence of God. We want them to be transformed by the word of God. We want all that stuff to happen. But it's about him. We want to have certainty. We want to know what's going to happen. We don't want to be um, incurably human, as Kate Bowler's latest book says, incurably human. But we are. We're human. But that is a good thing. As Julie said, God made us amazing. He created us to reflect his glory, to be in his image, but to glorify him. Right? And when it's about him, you don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be disappointed with yourself that you're not that amazing. You don't have to be disappointed with me or each other that we're not that amazing or whoever you happen to be following that turned out to have feet of clay. Because Jesus is still amazing. He still is healing. He still is delivering. He still is delivering from, from evil. He still is doing amazing things. Um, Pastor Mike wrote, I think it was just this week, and said he's got no cancer. Praise God. You guys were praying. He's healed. But it's not about any of us who laid hands on him. <laughs> it's about Jesus, who is amazing. And we don't get to have that control or certainty. The reality of every healing miracle is it's temporary. We're still incurably human. And God is still amazing. So, can we... Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. So we also don't have to have cynicism that comes when we're disappointed. False gods never fail to fail. Even if they're Christian false gods. <laughs> Christianized. 
um, idols. The uncontrollable power and proclamation is that Jesus is king of a new kingdom. Lord, we are grateful that you are the king. That although we are weak, you are strong. That although we're often not loving, you are loving. That although we often get distracted into idols, although we often want to be in control of your power, you are still powerful and you give it freely. Thank you that we can give freely from what we have received from you. Thank you that your power is available to us. Thank you that you do heal and do miracles, that you save, you deliver. Thank you that you're able to do that with us. And this humble community where you continue to work and transform. Would you help us as we persevere in seeking you together that we might see you in a new way. That we might be amazed by you in a new way. God, we confess that <clears throat> the things around us in our society amaze us sometimes. Technology and military might and political power and healing technologies and entrepreneurs and businesses and lots of good things. But we too easily make them a notch higher and we are amazed by them instead of seeing them as gifts from you. And sometimes we baptize and Christianize those things we're amazed by and make them into idols. So Lord, would you deliver us from making heroes and desiring heroes beyond you? Jesus, do your work in our hearts, individually and together, so that we can persevere in the long obedience in the same direction, walking together toward you with your Holy Spirit, filling us, enabling us, empowering us, delivering us, changing us in the midst of this broken world. Heading for a new creation, new bodies, resurrection. That will be truly amazing. Thank you for your kingdom that has come and is coming. Amen. We're going to do, we're going to have communion. And this is a great time for us to remember the kingdom that we're part of. And the Lord who turned down power, money, spectacular, providing for himself, all those temptations Satan threw his way, and chose instead the way of the cross. And we choose to follow him. We choose to follow him to take up our crosses, 
to say he's amazing and his way is amazing. Now there, sometimes we can overdo and, and do the martyr route to amazing. We want to be Mother Teresa. We want to be self-flagellating. We want to be poorer than anybody. We want to be a, a missionary. That must be terrible. We want to be a martyr. But that's not following Jesus. <laughs> following Jesus is let him be everything. It's not about us. It's about him. First Corinthians 11, you're welcome to partake with us, and the, and the ushers have others of these. If you have not, just raise your hand if you did not get a... Uh, um, and, and I hope if you're online, you can grab some, some bread and something to drink, and you can join us as well. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, Paul says. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. So in this case, we're going to take off that first foil thing and take a bit of bread out there. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. As we were praying yesterday, somebody was talking about we're not wanting to be dismembered, but remembered, rejoined to his body and to one another. So let's partake together. Lord, we remember you. We thank you for giving your body for us so we could be your body, your family. Amen. The same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink this together. Lord, we thank you for choosing the humble way, for entering into being human, just like us, exalting humanness, accepting the limitations of being a baby, not being able to talk or walk or go to the bathroom, being hungry and thirsty and tired, having a body that could be hurt and broken, being in relationships where you could be rejected, wounded and denied. Thank you for giving yourself to us in this world so that our humanness could be joined to you and resurrected into newness of life. Thank you for this body and this family that we get to participate with. Would you exalt yourself as we worship now? <laughs> 